What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Progress Not Perfection. Today, we talked with my friend and fellow coach, Jesse Rosenthal. You guys can find him on IG at RoseFitnessNY. And today, we talked a lot about nutrition automation. This is kind of something that I've never heard about until I started following Jesse, but basically, we'll get into it in this episode and how you can apply it on your journey. We also talked about how to get in more protein from whole foods and not relying so much on supplements. Uh, We also talked about interesting topic here, which I don't normally discuss is reverse dieting. We talked about maintenance. We talked about building muscle. We talked about refeed days. We talked about tracking macros versus tracking just protein and calories. I think you guys are going to get a lot out of this episode because Jesse is super knowledgeable and has coached a lot of men through their transformations and uh and i think you guys have a lot to learn on this episode and i learned a lot on this episode and it was a pleasure having him on hope you enjoy it if you do please head over to apple podcasts and give me a five-star review it really helps the show out a lot and it helps it reach more people and possibly help more people thank you so much and thank you for listening i'm super grateful for you and here we go All right, what's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of Progress Not Perfection. I'm here with my friend Jesse Rosenthal. What's going on, Jesse? How's it going, man? Thank you so much for having me on. Of course, of course. Thanks for coming on, man. It's not like I'm paying you or anything, um, <laughs> but I appreciate your time. And uh, and yeah, man, anytime I can hop on with another coach and just kind of hang out for 45 minutes or whatever, it's it's always nice to just, you know, educate the people and also just kind of get to know other coaches in the space on a deeper level. So that's kind of what I use it for is like, I use this podcast to educate people. And also it's a cool way for us coaches to connect as well. So yeah, man, thanks for coming on. Yeah, man, for sure. I was going to say like those of us who are, you know, coaching mainly online I feel like it's really important to have conversations like this and chat because I don't know about you, but I'm pretty much sitting in my house (laughs) all day, you know, doing some client work, but I have pretty much no interaction with other humans. So uh, (laughs) I I love doing stuff like this. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I got my roommate um, and, you know, uh, people I hang out with on a regular basis, but like, I say like the first couple years of me grinding with this business, it was I didn't schedule in much um, interactions with people and it was like the most interactions I got with people was like other coaches and either this podcast or uh, just talking to people on Instagram and stuff. It was like, that was the main, the main uh, source of communication, but it's important. It's important to get that human connection, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. So let's, dive in a little bit to your story, man. Like I know a little bit about your background just from following you on Instagram and us chatting a little bit, but, uh, but what got you into fitness and and how'd you get started? Yeah, man. So I started working out about 10 years ago and, you know, in, in college, I became a personal trainer 
and started, you know, training my friends and uh, working at some various gyms around school. So like I worked at an Equinox, I worked at like the opposite of an Equinox, which was like a small hole in the wall, little studio. It was just like me and the owner. So it was (laughs) nice to have both of those like completely different experiences, right? At Equinox, I was one of 35 trainers and I was the youngest one. So like to have both of those and to be able to learn from that kind of experience was really good. Um, And from there, you know, I I went on to like training people in Manhattan and, um, you know, working with my own private clients, kind of going around the city and, you know, training clients at their buildings and at their gyms. And I even rented out like some different uh, studios around the city and, you know, I'm they're, they're charging wild prices. So they were taking like half, you know, what the client was paying right, right, for right, a session. Right, right. Um, and then I, I got into online coaching about four and a half years ago and started training people online. And that's kind of what I've been up to uh, as far as, you know, my own experience over the last eight or nine years. So did you ever, like when you grew up, like, was this like the plan? Were you like, I'm going to be a personal trainer or what was your like main what were, what did you want to do? And then, and then do you still do some of that? Yeah, that's a good question. I definitely didn't expect to be working in fitness full time. Um, I didn't really know what I wanted to do throughout high school, throughout college. And I was studying, um, like business, like, like sports business. So like, I, I wanted to kind of work on the business side of sports And, you know, as I kind of went through school and, you know, saw what it was like and what it would require to work in sports, say for a sports team, I mean, I was applying for jobs that uh, as an 18 year old or maybe I was, you know, I was like 21, 22 uh, for internships that were unpaid that were going to like 40 year old men with master's degrees, you know, it was unpaid. So I was like, all right, I don't know if I'm willing to to wait another 20 years for this to, to, you know, to finally get paid doing this. So um, at the time, like I said, I was, you know, doing fitness on the side and, you know, I had gotten a few corporate jobs right out of school. So I was working full-time in Manhattan for a few years and I was just kind of like similar to yourself, I was hustling in every hour outside of that to train my clients, to kind of grow my client base. And it got to the point, uh, you know, at some point where I was like, you know what, I love doing, you know, fitness and I love coaching my clients way more than any of the other jobs I've had and any of the things I'm doing right now. And eventually ended up going just full time uh, with fitness and, and, you know, coaching people full time. Yeah, man, that's, that's, I kind of ran into the same thing myself. I, I was going the dietetics route. So I was going to be a dietitian. And uh, I, don't really, I don't know if I've ever talked about this on the podcast. But um, I, I, I looked up the salary for what a dietitian makes, and then like, how long the internship period is, and how long the schooling is, how much I would be in debt. And it like the average dietitian makes somewhere between like 50 and 60,000 a year. And I'm like, I'm like, that doesn't add up, like being a couple hundred thousand dollars in debt and then making 60,000 a year. I'm like, that, that, that just doesn't seem right. You know, and there were jobs, there were construction jobs in my town that were paying more than that. And so I was like, I was like, man, I've got to figure something else out. And then, I, you know, diet, like dietitian students are like, it's, it's brutal what they have to go through as far as internships and everything. And, and. Once I found out I could be 
a personal trainer and a coach and also help people with their nutrition. The only thing I can't do is prescribe people meal plans. Um, I was like, you know what? I can help people just as much as a registered dietitian without the label of being a registered dietitian. And I can write good training programs for them. And I can help them with their relationship with food. That's a win-win for me. So, and and they, and I, and I own my own business. So the sky's the limit as far as earning potential and the amount of people that I can help with social media these days. It's it's insane. So, to me, it was a no-brainer, right? So, yeah, especially once you've got some momentum going, you've worked with some clients, you know you can help them. You know that it's like making an impact, right? Like you're literally helping people improve their entire life. And and that's when you're like, all right, like, I, I think I can, you know, really do this even more. Yeah, man. So you work mostly with men, right? Yeah, almost all of my clients are men. Um, I do work with, you know, women do reach out to me from time to time. I'm, it seems like I'm always working with a couple of women, but um, the vast majority are men that I work with. And what made you want to go down the, the niche of, of mostly working with men and, and what do you see as different as far as like working with men versus working with women? You know, obviously not to, you know, put huge labels and differences on, you know, it's not going to be too different, but what are the main, what was your main uh, reasoning for that? Yeah, that's a good question. And for me, it, it was, it came down to something as simple as like, I felt like I could relate to men way more being a man. And I felt like I could help them more as well because I had worked with plenty of women, you know, uh, in the past and, and for my first five years being a personal trainer. Um, it wasn't until about five years ago that I made the shift to mainly working with men. And that was just, you know, a lot of from my experience working with both men and women, having a big enough sample size and, and realizing that, like, you know what, like these questions that are coming up you know, these, these transformations and, and, you know, progress that, that I'm helping these clients with, like, I'm just more enjoying it more so with the men, because I can kind of relate it to myself and I can, um, more so understand what they're going through. Um, so that's, you know, why I decided to do that just simply because, you know, I, I found that I enjoyed it a little bit more. Mm, That makes a lot of sense, man. And, you know, good for you for realizing like who your target audience is and like who you can help the most. Because I feel like, you know, business like coaches and things like that will be like niche down your audience. Like you need a niche. You need to find your niche. And it's like, I don't know. I've always felt in health and fitness that, uh, you know, my niche is like it, like it'll find itself. Right. I don't need to pick what my niche is if I'm in my first, you know, couple years of coaching, but now that I've been doing this a little bit longer than that, um, you know, I've found my niche to be women between the age of like 40 and 55 and sometimes even a little bit older. And so I never thought that would be my niche. I'd be, (laughs) I thought I'd be working with men too, but, uh, but I connect a lot with, with, uh, older women. And maybe it's because, you know, I grew up with, um, a lot of aunts and cousins and, who were older women and and I related to them a lot and, you know, just connected with them a lot. So it's kind of cool to, um, to find out what that niche is and find out who I can help the most. And so that's cool. You have that, you got like your, you know, your modern man program, right? That's the name of it. Yeah. It's, I call it my modern man program. And, um, 
Yeah, like I said, it's, it's been about four and a half years now that I've been running it. It's, you know, it's way different now. <laughs> you know, it seems like each year I, I learn more about, uh, you know, how to coach people better and what's effective. And I'm fine tuning things, as I'm sure you're doing as well. Um, you know, you, you just naturally you become a little bit of a better coach as the years go on. So like when I first started it, you know, I, I didn't have a whole lot of idea even how to coach people online. And now, um, you know, it, it's way different and it's it's very much um, something that I'm confident in. If someone if I bring someone on board, I'm, I'm very confident that, I'm you know, they're going to be able to see good progress. So, um, yeah, that's where we're at right now with it. That's awesome, man. So. I want to get into some fitness questions and just kind of talk about uh, some of the stuff that I saw in your content that I thought would be interesting topics for us to talk about. And one of the main topics that I saw was uh, you talked about nutrition automation. So can you talk about what that is and how people can use it to simplify their nutrition? Yeah, absolutely. So nutrition automation is something that I, I basically, it's a term I, I came up with to basically have one meal in the day, maybe two meals, but at least one be pretty much the same every single day. So if you're eating three meals a day, or if you're eating two meals a day, whatever it is, automating one of those meals, so you don't have to think about it, you don't have to, you know, wonder what you're going to eat, you don't have to wing it. Not only does it save you like guesswork and save you, uh, energy and stress thinking about what you're going to have or deciding where you're going to go to buy something for lunch, but it saves you um, time, right? To, to not have to make those decisions. And the, the fewer decisions that you can make in regards to your nutrition, the better, because we have what, like 30,000 decisions a day to make, right? <laughs> they, whatever they yeah. say it is like, we don't need to add another 12 or 13 or 14 or whatever it is. Like if we can, you know, have three meals in the day and, you know, one of them is eliminated, all of a sudden you only have to decide what you're having for dinner or what you're having for, you know, this X, Y, and Z meal. Um, and if you're having the same thing, ideally, you know, what I recommend for an automated meal is one that checks a few boxes. So the first thing is that um, it's relatively quick to prepare, right? So it's not something you're going to spend 40 minutes cooking. Um, it is something that you enjoy, right? That you're not going to get sick of after one or two days having it. And it's something that's beneficial to your goals, right? So like pizzas, while it may be quick and it mm -hmm. may be really good, mm -hmm. it's probably not going to be super easy to fit into your calories or your macros for the day. So if it can check those three boxes, you know, you're, you're going to be good to go. And when you get sick of it, maybe that's after a week or maybe that's after six months, you're still eating that same meal then you just switch it to another automated meal and you're good to go. Yeah, man. I think I have done this without even thinking about it or putting a label on it. And I think here's what I see as well from other coaches that I follow is like, or anybody that's in like really good shape is like, they all do this. <laughs> we, we all do this. I'm not saying I'm in really good shape, but you're in really good shape. Um, <laughs> And everybody that's in really good shape fucking does this. They all fucking have like one meal that they eat every single day or even two meals. And so for me, like I remember I would have my like egg white frittata every single fucking day. And, and the reason I had it is because I could take a carton of egg whites 
and dumped the whole it was like one of the costco cartons so i think it was 50 grams of protein and i'd put the whole carton in a pan and i would dump some frozen vegetables in there and some potatoes and i would chuck it in the oven at 350 for 20 minutes and boom i'd eat it sometimes i'd be so fucking busy i'd eat it out of the pan and with some salsa and i'm like boom that was like you know, 400 calories, 55 grams of protein or something like. And so I did that every day for like, I want to say three or four months on this last cut. And it made everything so much easier. So I, I agree with it. I think nutrition automation should be, let's, let's bring it back. Let's bring it back. Yeah, man. Absolutely. And and that's similar actually to the the meal that I've automated now. Like you're going to laugh, but like I've had the same meal for like two years now. It, and it's the reason I've been able to do that is because it's such an easy meal, but you can make it like 10 different ways. So right now my automated meal is like two whole eggs. You've got the egg white liquid that you were just talking about, right? I, I use like six or seven servings of the egg white liquid gets me 30 grams of protein. Um, I'll usually throw in some spinach or some onions or something. And then I'll have like, uh, like some toast or something on the side. And, you know, I can have that meal, whether I'm cutting, whether I'm bulking, if my mm -hmm. macros are super high, if I'm eating a lot, like I am now, I'm eating 3,500 calories a day. I can add in, I can make that toast a bagel instead, or I, like I'm actually having four eggs instead of two. Mm. And, you know, I've, I've taken out the egg whites cause just, I don't need that source of protein anymore. And I'll have like some turkey sausage with it. It's, it's pretty much the same meal. And if I'm cutting and if I'm eating 2000 calories, you know, I'll have the egg whites. I'll only have two eggs and maybe I'll have an English muffin instead of the bagel or the toast because it's only a yeah. hundred calories for an English muffin. Yeah. So you're just making like a few small little tweaks, usually to the carbs that basically reduce the calories just a little bit more and still help you feel satiated, get that protein in and keep the calories basically in check. So depending on your goals, it's like the meals don't have to be that much different if especially if it's something you enjoy, right? Like I just opened up a free Facebook group. It's called Calorie Deficit Chefs. I'm sure you've seen me talking about it because I think I talk about it in like every video I've made because um, I fucking love it, man. I've got like almost 400 people in there and, uh, and it's cool because we all share all these meal ideas and recipe ideas and stuff like that and we'll just post pictures of our food, which, you know, may be boring to some people, but for somebody who's in a calorie deficit for the first time and they don't really know what am I supposed to be eating, blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay, here's a great idea. Some egg whites, a couple eggs, some vegetables, and some toast on the side. And you've got an amazing breakfast that's going to keep you full for hours. And you're going to get some micronutrients from the egg yolks and some healthy fats. And you're going to get some micronutrients from the vegetables tons of protein and then you're going to get some some good carbs from the from the toast as well so i mean yeah it's a great breakfast yeah man and posting pictures having people share pictures of their food is like like you said you it may seem like kind of like why are you doing that type of thing but the truth is like that's one of the most common questions people ask right i'm sure you mm -hmm. get it all the time like what like simply what should i be eating <laughs> to lose weight or what should i have for breakfast that's got protein that I, I don't have to cook or something, you know? So like those things, even though there may not be a million people commenting on that picture, you know, saying, wow, this is amazing. There's people definitely 
being like, oh, that's helpful. And, and I'm going to go get that at the grocery store. Yeah, no, I agree, man. And I think it's super valuable. Um, I think for the most part, you know, we got to do our own like research and thinking as far as like, what, what am I going to be able to stick with and what fits my taste buds? Because everybody had everybody. One thing I've also found, cause somebody posted this in the group, they said, uh, what's the one thing that you absolutely like will not eat if it's in your food. And like people were posting all of these things like, Oh, cilantro or, you know, if beets or like this food or that food. And I like looked through some of them and I was like, Oh, this person like is grossed out by corn. Like that's so weird to me. Or like even cilantro, I know it tastes like soap for some people, but I think it's delicious. And like, so it's just, and I don't really have any of that. I don't really have any like food restrictions. There's no real food that I'm like, yeah, I'm not eating that. But it's like, um, but people do have a lot of like food restrictions and rules and um, just kind of different taste buds. So figuring out what meals work specifically for you. There is like, there's some work that we, we all have to do on the back end to find like, what can I stick with? And what am I going to actually be like somewhat excited for? Even if it is the same thing every day, like I still get excited for those boring ass meals because to me, they're, they're delicious (laughs) and food tastes good when you're in a calorie deficit, man. Like food just tastes better when you're in a calorie deficit. I don't know if you agree with that or not, but yeah. For sure, man. What yeah, in a in a deficit in a fat loss phase like whole eggs, you know, are so satisfying, right? Instead yeah. of egg whites or like adding some like turkey bacon or or sausage or something like you're right. And and you know, I try to limit like right now I'll have one or two scoops of protein powder a day, but in a fat loss phase I'm generally getting most of my protein, if not all of it from whole foods for that reason, right? There's mm-hmm. less overall food to eat. So you might as well use as much food as you can, right? To, to, to kind of enjoy it more. Yeah, no, that's a great point, man. And, and one that I, I, I personally do the same thing. I don't really like, cause I find that once I start getting into the more processed forms of protein and I start supplementing more and I start um, not opting for more whole food sources, I find that it is so much harder to stick to my deficit. Whereas if I'm actually eating that protein from whole food sources, like I'm, I can, I can diet on as much as like 1600 calories if I'm eating the right foods, which like for me, that's really low, but I mean, this last cut, I got down to 1800 calories a day, which like doesn't, that sounds like not a lot of food for somebody my size, but, uh, you know, that's, that's what I needed to be in, in order to get me to a spot where I, where I felt like I was lean enough to, to go back into maintenance. So yeah, I kind of want to talk about that a little bit too. Like, um, I know you've gone through a couple different cycles of like, cutting and then maintaining and then bulking. And I don't know if you're at maintenance right now or, or if you're in a surplus, but can you talk about like, what it, when is it like an ideal time for somebody to look at coming out of their calorie deficit and into maintenance or even a slight calorie surplus to build some muscle? Yeah. So in my opinion, like the the good thing is that like there's really no right or wrong answer right to to when you should do this or when you should focus on that 
But that being said, like if you're someone who's been in a fat loss phase for a while, you've been eating in a deficit for a while, I'm talking like three, four, five months, um, and you're starting to feel, you know, more hungry than you were in the first month, that might be a good indication that, you know, it's time to maybe do a reverse diet or to bring your calories back up to maintenance or, or just take a break from, from dieting, you know, in, in a calorie deficit. And I, I kind of try to wait um, to, to notice indications from my body and, and, you know, from my clients uh, as far as when it might be a good time to do that, because you may be eating in a deficit and feel totally fine, right? There may be some manageable hunger from time to time, which is normal, but like at some point it, it's, it should be harder than that, right? At some point you should be like, oh man, I'm starting to like reach for snacks more than I was before. Mm -hmm. Or at, at mm -hmm. some point it's like, man, like I'm absolutely starving now. I'm, I'm going to bed starving almost every night. Like there's, there's these indications that like it's calorie deficit starting to catch up even more with you. And it's starting to become somewhat unsustainable. And like, if you find yourself cheating on your, your, your calories or your macros or eating a bunch of stuff and not tracking it, that's usually an indication that like, all right, you've, you've got to make a change there, <laughs> either add in a refeed day and see if that helps extend the fat loss phase. Or like you said, maybe just end the, the deficit altogether and do a reverse diet or just bring your calories up to maintenance kind of right away. That, that's my opinion on it. Yeah. No, I like how you talked about um, inconsistency and just not tracking foods, even though you know you're eating them. You're like, nah, didn't track that. Damn it, I forgot or whatever. You know, I know Jordan, Jordan side talks about like the consistency calendar and putting the X and O's on the calendar. Um, and I, I use that more often than not. And most, most times when I see a lot of those O's on the calendar and I notice like, all right, I'm really, really messing up this month. It's like, okay, you know, what are some ways I can improve my consistency? Oftentimes I'll bump my calories up a little bit and even just like, like 200 calories more a day, I will start to be more consistent. Cause it's like, if I'm giving myself 1800 calories, but I'm missing, you know, 10 days a month where I'm like <laughs> probably eating more like 2200 or 2400, then I'm not actually eating 1800 calories on average, right? I'm actually averaging more than that. But the psychological uh, piece of like failure, like me looking at my consistency and being like, I'm failing is it just sets you up for failing even more and more. So when what I've found is increasing my number a little bit helps me be more consistent. And then I can eat 2000 plus calories, still be in a deficit, go a little bit slower. And I may actually even see faster results because I'm more consistent now. For sure. I love that. And I feel like 90% of people don't understand that what you just said, like, the fact that you can increase your food and you're still going to lose weight. <laughs> you're still in a deficit, right? If you're eating 1800 and you're not being able to be consistent with that, you're better off bringing your calories up to 2000, you know, eating a little bit more food on a day-to-day -day basis. If it means you're going to be able to be more consistent, especially because that's still a deficit for you, right? We're not saying, all right, you were eating 1800. Now let's bring it up to 2700. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that, you know, that might not be, be a deficit. Um, but it's almost always better to 
eat in a more moderate calorie deficit, right? A less aggressive deficit so that you can stay consistent with it way longer, right? Over the course of three or four or six months, even if you're eating more food on a day-to-day basis, you'll probably lose more weight over that six-month period because you've been more consistent as compared to someone who's eating like 1,500 or 1,600 and is yo-yo dieting the entire time. Right. Yeah, we see that a lot when people, you know, especially women getting prescribed this magic 1200 calorie number where I don't know where the hell that came from, but uh, women trying to eat 1200 calories and then they think they're eating 1200 calories, but they're not actually keeping track of their consistency over the weekends. They're probably, you know, splash of coffee creamer here, you know, a couple tablespoons of salad dressing over here, you know, a couple tablespoons of cooking oil over here. And then maybe your average for the week, once you look at your weekend calories and days that you weren't that consistent, it's like, oh, you're actually eating like 16 to 1800 when maybe, you know, your deficit is like 14 to 1600. So it's like, you know, you're not actually in a calorie deficit, even though you think you're eating 1200 calories, you're not. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. And I feel like that's a skill too, like to be able to know you know, which small things, like you mentioned, like the creamer, the salad dressing, like handful of nuts here and there, like to, to the skill to know, like how many calories that is, or like, is that worth tracking or like a handful of spinach? Is that worth tracking? Yeah. Like a handful of spinach is like no calories, but a handful of nuts, you know, like yeah. we've we got to track that. That's like a meal right there. Right. So it it's, is. it's almost like a skill to like, know how much leniency is okay and and will it affect your results? Yeah, I agree, man. And you know, you talked a little bit about refeed days, which is, you know, it's not something that I personally use a lot, but uh, but it's something that I kind of want to learn more about. So, can you talk more about refeed days and uh, and what exactly they are? Because I know some people just prescribe a higher amount of carbs on refeed days. Is that what you do as well? Yeah, pretty much. Um, it, it's basically, in my opinion just a, a way more strategic, uh, cheat day or, or, mm-hmm. you know, a, um, uh, I, careful. Don't it, say that. <laughs> <I'm just kidding>. <laughs> <laughs> or, or even like, I, I've called it like an adult cheat day right? because like there's a strategy behind it. And like, um, it, it's basically, yes. Yeah, so you're, you're eating like two to three times more carbs than you would on a normal day, but you've got to strategically keep your fats in the same range that you normally eat or maybe lower. And the protein is usually around the same number as you, as your day-to-day protein as well. So I I guess the the point of a refeed day, like if you're in a deficit and if you're eating relatively lower amounts of carbs, you know, on a day-to-day basis um, is to basically restore glycogen back into the muscle, which will help with maintaining muscle in a fat loss phase. And obviously eating a whole bunch more carbs on one day is also going to help with like, like, uh, the feeling of fullness and satiety, right? Like I find that I'm often not as hungry in the two or three days following a, a refeed day. Um, and it, it also, I've noticed it really helps me to stay consistent during the week. Mm. If I'm eating 1700 calories or 1800 calories, like you said, in a, in a fat loss phase, uh, I'm going to, in my mind, be more diligent about being consistent and, you know, not eating foods without tracking it throughout the week. If I know on Friday or on Saturday, I've got this refeed day coming to me. It's almost like you, you've got to earn it in a way. 
So that's yeah. the way that I run them. Yeah, and uh, another thing that's nice about refeed days too, which I, I understand is uh, just kind of, like you said, improving adherence and the consistency to the deficit, but also like anybody who's been in a severe calorie deficit for a while, your training intensity is like, it, it starts to get really, really challenging and your intensity just isn't there. Your focus isn't there. You're not able to push yourself quite as hard. And, you know, you like half the time, you know, this last cut that I was on, like half the time I'd go to the gym and I'd be feeling great in the very beginning of the workout. And then, you know, 30, 45 minutes in, I'm just like, man, I do not want to finish this, you know, but you know, I push through. And then, like you said, you know, the next day, maybe bump up the carbs a little bit, have a little bit more rice, potatoes, beans, whatever. And uh, something, a carb source that doesn't have a lot of tag along fats. Cause like you said, you still want to keep those fats within a range. Now I prescribe most of my clients just, just focus on calories and protein, just because that's kind of what I, what I personally do. And I've found to be the most uh, sustainable for somebody like me who likes to cook, who likes to be very flexible. And like, I'm not super, uh, I'm not super like, uh, type a personality where like, I need to have everything super dialed in. Um, but you know, I know there are people out there like that who like to track macros. So can you talk about, um, the difference that you've seen and maybe some of the benefits for tracking macros rather than just calories and protein? Yeah, that's a good question. And like, to, to be uh, clear, like I've got clients doing a variety of things. So I have many clients who are tracking their full macros. I have some clients who are also tracking uh, calories and protein only. Um, and then I've got some guys who are just tracking calories and, and even a few guys who aren't tracking anything. Oh, interesting. Reason. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So for, for whatever reason, I always, you know, it, it's always something I recommend and I kind of, you know, uh, like to see, you know, if a potential client who's interested, I, I, I kind of like to gauge if they would be open to that, if they haven't done it before tracking their food. Um, but it's not something that I think is, you know, a requirement to, to just see progress or to kind of get things improving with your nutrition and, and with your body and stuff like that. But as far as like the difference, like you're right in that um, tracking your calories and protein is going to be way more manageable. And like, I would say sustainable uh, long-term, especially depending on your lifestyle and your preferences and stuff like that. And it's going to be, you know, like arguably the two most important things to track, right. Mm -hmm. Um, as opposed to say tracking calories and fats or <laughs> calories and carbs, um, because protein is going to have such an important role in not only building muscle, but staying full and, you know, all, all the other kind of, uh, benefits that come with eating enough protein. Um, I suppose the argument for tracking your full macros, obviously for, for maybe people who are uh, wanting to see the best results possible, you know, like, and wanting to look at every single data point that they can find, um, you know, to, to give them an edge or an advantage, like, you know, that, that would be a reason to track, especially if you're using like my fitness pal or some other app, like you're likely collecting that information anyway, and you're just not paying attention to it. So it, it actually wouldn't be much extra work to, to just track the carbs and the fats if you're already using MyFitnessPal. Right. Um, but also for someone who is like 
really strength focused, I suppose, like wanting to improve either their strength, their, their, uh, want to build muscle or, you know, have a real focus on the gym and, and the workouts that they're doing. Because in my opinion, like having an adequate amount of carbs, uh, as, as compared to fats is going to be an important role as well. Right. Like you said, like not having every workout be <laughs> super effective or, or, you know, feeling amazing on every workout in a calorie deficit. Right. Um, if we can maximize how much, how much carbs you're having and, and, you know, um, give somebody, uh, and you know, enough carbs to the point where they're going to give themselves the best chance to have effective workouts, you know, most days, I see that could be a benefit as well to, to specifically paying attention to the carbs, um, in addition to the protein. Yeah, because past a certain point, um, dietary fat doesn't really serve much of a purpose. Like past past the threshold of like whatever I think the minimum is like 20% of your calories or something like that. You know, for most people, it's going to be probably around 40 to 50 grams of, of fat, correct? So for most people, like anything above that amount, it doesn't really – it's not going to really add to your, unless like fat, you know, for you is like super satiating and like you feel amazing when you have a higher fat diet, other people are going to feel amazing on a higher carb diet. So I think that's why I'm a fan of kind of being more intuitive with the, with the carbs and fats, because I know for me personally, um, that training intensity there needs, like I need at least, 125 to 150 grams of carbs. If if I can at least get that much carbs, my training intensity, I can I can train pretty damn well on 125 grams of carbs a day, which is not a lot. Um you're probably eating like 800 grams of carbs a day. <laughs> not quite 800, but I am eating a lot more than most people eat. Um, yeah. I I am in a lean bulk, so I you know, it's not like I eat this all the time, but I'm eating 450 grams of carbs a day. <laughs> yeah, which which anybody who's ever eaten uh, that much carbs throughout the day, that is like hammering in the carbs all day. So um, I know I know I've uh, I've worked under some coaches and and hired some coaches who have had me on like at some points like 600 plus grams of carbs. And uh, so, can you talk about like why? why someone might want to have that many grams of carbs as far as uh being in a surplus or even even some people just like a short a short surplus period yeah so specifically the 600 or like more what i'm eating specifically yeah just like a like a like a really really bumped up amount of carbohydrates from what the, okay. like you mentioned 2 to 3 times uh what most people normally eat um in a surplus so, so can you talk a little bit about like why someone might want to bump their carbs up while they're in a surplus? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I guess there would be a, a few, uh, people who would probably want to do this or, or would do this. And one of them is we'll take my scenario where my main goals right now are more aesthetic based and, and, uh, strength based. So right now my goals are to build uh, more muscle and to get stronger in the gym, really just for, you know, um, physique purposes, right? I just want to try to get, you know, um, you know, build more muscle. Um, yeah. So I'm eating about 3,500 calories and 
for me, that is a surplus by a good amount. Um, I'd say my maintenance is probably in the 27 or 2800 range. Um, so, you know, to, to, for me to gain, to build muscle and to get the, the weight trending up, I'm, I'm gaining about one or two pounds a month. So that's not even a lot, right? No, it's so not. To, to even get the weight trending up only one or two pounds a month, you're going to have to get the calories from somewhere, right? Like you're, you're going to have to be either adding more fats or carbs or, or, or protein. Generally protein will stay around the same number in, in my experience. Um, so I'm eating plenty of fat too. I'm eating a hundred grams of fat per day. So I'm getting plenty of uh, calories from fats. Um, but the reason why my carbs are a lot higher than what most people probably eat in a, in a day is because there's going to be benefits to building muscle benefits to having better workouts, having more fuel for my workouts, having more, uh, having more carbs for recovery as well. Um, and like another thing to, to note is like, I'm also working out six times a week, like strength training mm. six times a week, which is a lot. Like I've, I've pretty much never worked out that much. Um, unless I am eating enough to feel yeah. okay doing that, yeah. um, in a fat loss phase, I would never be strength training hard. Like I am now six times a week. Cause like you said, half the time you're going to feel like absolute shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so. no, it's true, man. Yeah. Okay. Thanks for clearing that up, man. I think, uh, so, okay. So you mentioned your maintenance is 27 to 2,800, something like that. Um, and you're eating 3,500. So I'm guessing that you went through a period of a reverse diet. Can you kind of talk about that if that's what you did and, and kind of how you set that up? Because most people hear, oh, a, you know, a lean bulk or a surplus should only be 100 to 300 calories. So in that case, you'd only be eating like 3,100, but you're eating 3,500. So can you talk about how you found that number? And is it just gauging your weight and your progress as you went or? Yeah, absolutely. So, so I'll also say I'm, I'm also working with a coach myself. So he, um, I've been working with him for about a year and he handles all my nutrition and he handles my workouts as well. But the idea, basically the, I, I did do a reverse diet. So, um, I did like a mini cut around the summertime to get a little leaner for the, you know, the warmer weather here in New York. Uh, and quickly it changed to freezing cold weather. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Struck. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so basically in a reverse diet, what we're doing is we're gradually adding in a little bit of food, usually not every week, but maybe every other week or every third week based on my rate of gain on the scale, right. My weekly average weight based on how I'm feeling as well. Um, and basically we're gradually increasing food for the, you know, the duration of this, uh, lean bulk, this, this lean bulking phase I'm in until I decide that I want to transition back down to, to a cutting phase. Um, and the reason why we're increasing so much is because while I am in a good surplus and, and you'd expect that I'm pretty frequently seeing the scale go up, that's not always the, the, the case, right? Like I, I am gaining most weeks, but it's by a very small margin. Like last week, my weekly average weight was up like a 10th of a pound compared to the mm. previous week. 
Um, and part of a reverse diet is basically helping your body adapt to larger amounts of food very, very slowly, right? So while my maintenance calories, I would estimate probably in the 27, 2800 range, it's possible that that's changed since we've been increasing food over these last three, four months. Um, and, you know, be, because my body's used to having 3,500 calories for the last month, or, you know, I've been, you know, between 3,000 and 3,500 for the last two months, really. It's very likely that if we overnight drop my calories from 3,500 to 3,000, I would actually lose weight this week or, mm -hmm. or next, this week because my body has been used to the 3,500 uh, for, you know, for the last month or two. Right. So I'm not sure if I articulated that well or if that makes sense. But the idea of the reverse diet is like helping improve your metabolism, helping allow your body to adapt to higher amounts of food. And for me to continue building muscle and continue gaining some weight and gaining some muscle, uh, we needed to continue increasing the food to this level. Right. No, that makes sense, man. Um, and I like the way you put it as well. So for, for anybody who's listening and doesn't know what a reverse diet is, that's pretty much what he just explained. And just kind of gauge, bring calories back up very slowly after a surplus. And so how slow or how fast someone goes during a reverse diet, there's no like real set template for it. Like some people do a hundred calories per day on a weekly basis. Some people do 50 calories per day. So like coming out of his surplus, maybe he did, you know, 2,800 one week, then 2,900 another week, then, you know, 2,950 the next week. And then, you know, whatever. So it's just based off, off basically your biofeedback and how your body responds to the calories and so I, I actually think that stuff's super interesting because pretty much like our body is going to try to always kind of like our body never wants to lose weight. Like it's not, it's not something like we're, we're made to survive. Right. So like our body's going to hold on to water weight, to stored body fat, our body's going to try to hold on to these things. And, and being in a calorie deficit, that's why we don't go cut our calories all the way down to you know, 1200 because we can't actually stick with it, right? It's, we'll have terrible like issues with our hormones and metabolism if we try and maintain that, which is why like you might be cheating on the weekends if you are trying to eat 1200 calories. But, you know, when you start to just increase them slowly over a period of time, it's like your body will eventually stabilize and maintain at whatever you give it, you know, granted, it's not like a crazy amount of calories, but you know, 3,500 is a lot of food. And, uh, and so that's pretty awesome that your weight is like stabilizing and your metabolism is, is basically stabilizing around that, that much food. So that's, that's pretty exciting. I find that stuff super interesting. Yeah, me too. It, it's really interesting how the body adapts to what you're doing. Right. And, you know, I guess another benefit that I'll throw in there quickly is that like of doing a reverse diet and building up to higher amounts of food uh, strategically, right? Do, po possibly doing it under professional guidance of someone who's done it before. But a, a benefit is that like, then when you decide, you know what, I want to go into a fat loss phase and, and start losing weight now, you're going to have a, a much bigger runway, right? You're, you're not going to have to eat those 1200 calories or 1500 calories to lose weight. 
you're going to be able to just reduce gradually, kind of like with the reverse diet, you gradually build up to it, Mm -hmm. added in 50 calories here, 100 calories there. You're going to do the same thing going back down, right? And as you start to take away 100 calories here, 50 calories there, you may find you're losing weight at 2,300 calories this time around because you're, you you built your body's um, metabolism up and, and you built up your tolerance to higher amounts of food. And I've got to tell you, like, it's way better to successfully lose weight at 2,300 calories <laughs> than it is at 1,400. Yeah. <laughs> it's a huge difference. Yeah, dude, I, I completely agree with you there. Um, so let me ask you this, because I've heard of people using reverse dieting for people who have slow metabolism, for people who have um, who have a lot of weight to lose, but their coaches will put them into a reverse diet to bring their metabolism up for a little while first, which can be scary for someone who is like who's gaining weight on 1400 or 1600 calories. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Like if somebody's not at a lean body fat percentage, what are your thoughts on bringing them through reverse diet first? Yeah, that's a great point. And that's something that I was thinking about when you were talking before is that almost every time I do a reverse diet for the first time with a client, they end up losing more weight. Like it's almost like they break through a plateau and they lose more weight as we're increasing the food. And (laughs) my guess as to why that is, is because kind of what we were saying at the beginning of the chat, which is like, you're still in a deficit while we're increasing food, but you're still in a deficit. So like Mm -hmm. they're probably being more consistent and they're probably eating true to those calories that we're giving them as opposed to trying to eat to a lower amount of food and then sneaking some snacks in there and stuff as well. So it's almost like a less stressful calorie deficit that they're in and and that they're experiencing. So that's been my experience. Almost every single time I've done a reverse diet with a client, they've lost more body fat. Um, and I think it would be appropriate to, to do a reverse diet with someone who's trying to lose more weight. If like you said before, uh, they've been dieting at like a very low amount of calories for a while. Um, then it would be a perfect, uh, you know, probably a perfect setup for them, assuming that they trust you and, and they're, you know, they're going to give you their word that they're going to be a hundred percent, uh, give you a hundred percent effort with actually increasing food. And they're not like secretly sabotaging, you know, themselves yeah, yeah, yeah. to like actually yeah. not listen to, you know, li- increasing food when you tell them. Sure. Yeah, no, that's, that's a great point. And I think, yeah, that might just improve adherence. Right. And then also I believe some of the research, talks about like people's increases in their neat and their activity levels are like subconsciously increased when you increase calories. So that could also be something going on as well as just somebody like fidgeting and moving more and like, you know, walking more just like subconsciously. So yeah. The making your bed uh, idea, right? Like if you make your bed, you're going to do the next task you've got, or you're going to do the next thing. Whereas right. like if, if you're, eating more food, I think you're right in that, like people probably have a little bit more energy or, um, a a little bit more fuel in their system to be like, you know what, like, let's go for a walk or, you know what, I'm going to do an extra set of this type of thing. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think there's definitely more research that needs to be done around it, but, uh, 
But yeah, interesting stuff, man. I did not think we were going to go this way on the podcast, but I'm glad we did because a lot of people have been asking me about reverse diets and like how to fix slow metabolism. So I think uh, this episode would have been helpful for them. But Jesse, if my last question for you, man, um, what is the biggest piece of nutrition advice you would give to somebody who's like, I'm I'm hearing all these terms, calorie deficit, reverse diet, you know, uh, calorie surplus, protein, should I track carbs, should I track calorie, like basically somebody's overwhelmed. What? Where would you start somebody if they had no idea where to start? Yeah, I guess my best advice would be to um, uh, commit to a, a, a plan. Uh, and by plan, I mean like, tracking your calories. If that's your plan, like that, commit to that one thing, right? Don't focus on, if you hear someone talking on social media tomorrow about macros, just ignore it. If you hear someone talking about intermittent fasting tomorrow or keto or doing this or carb cycling, no, you've already committed to the <laughs> one thing, right? So like commit to that one thing. It can be anything. It could even be keto if you want, or it could be any of the things I mentioned, just commit to that one thing. And give it your 100% effort every day for at least two months, probably. Right. Um, so if, if you decide to track your calories, which I would say, if you're going to start with one thing, probably start with that, right. Knowing how much food you're eating is probably going to be the most important thing that's going to lead to results. Yeah. It's like, if you're tracking your, like, if you want to save up money, uh, want to save up $10,000, good place to start probably know what your expenses are mm -hmm. right like that's mm -hmm. probably the one thing you should know um same Very with true. food and same with nutrition like commit to that one thing that one plan that you're going to follow and just have that tunnel vision focus on that one thing don't switch to something else don't get upset and switch to something different when the scale's up three pounds after christmas or after new year's like still do that one thing for the next two months and then you can make the, the like decisions on, do I want to switch to something else? Do I want to adjust this? Or do I want to eat a different amount of food? That's probably what I would say. Yeah. Love that, man. Well, Jesse, thank you so much for, uh, for coming on, man. I really appreciate your time. Where can the people find you? Yeah, man, for sure. I uh, had a, a lot of fun and we'll have to get you on my podcast as well. Um, but cool. they can find me. My name is Jesse Rosenthal. So you can search that on Facebook. Or on Instagram and TikTok, my username is Rose Fitness NY. So you can look up Rose Fitness NY and uh, you'll find me. Awesome. All right, Jesse, I appreciate you, man. I'll talk to you soon. All right, man. Thank you. All right, bye.